Okay, so we're now recording this meeting. This is uh, allegedly the 5th day of November in 2020, so they say. And here we are this evening with another House of Prayer special with our special guest, Dayton Horowitz from Montana, going to speak to us tonight. We got some, uh, he's going to have a chance and occasion to, um, to share with us an exhortation to teaching, and then there will be a short question and answer at the end of that. I'd like to request that everybody to please star six or mute yourself out on your side so I don't have to do it to you on my side, which uh, in case that your questions and answers, I won't have to forget you and you're sitting there not being able to speak. So um, once again, please mute out yourself, star six or press mute on your cell phone. So we've been having, uh, this is now the uh, fourth one. Am I right, Dave? I mean, I've spoken a lot to you on other different calls. This is our fourth one? <laughs> it is. Okay, it's our fourth call. We missed uh, one of the recordings. Some goofball forgot to press record, and I uh, just won't tell you his name. Uh, I have a right to plead, uh, to plead the fifth, I've been told. So um, we only have three of them recorded. But uh, this one is recorded, and it's going to be a good one tonight. So welcome, everybody. Uh, strap your seatbelts on. Dave, I'm going to turn the meeting over to you so you can give us an exhortation. Thank you, Dave. All right, thank you. And thanks again for... Uh allowing me this platform to uh, give you my my views <laughs> and uh, appreciate everybody for uh, tuning in and listening. Uh, I've had a lot of fun. But uh, so tonight are, I'd like... Dave, we are, we are going to keep questions in, until when you're done, correct? I just want to make that clear for everybody so that you don't get interrupted like I just did with you. Yes. Yes. Keep, everybody, please keep your questions until Dave opens the floor for questions. I sure appreciate that. Thank you. Sorry about that, Dave. No problem, and 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 it's going to be tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little bit of a contrast as to what you're living in in the public, as opposed to what it should be, uh, is very similar to private uh, as far as trust goes. And I did a show. Uh, I have a pot on my podcast on Sundays. I've spoken about this many times. Uh, I didn't prepare anything. But I'm going to try to explain a little bit of the contrast between what a true trust is and what the public is, <laughs> uh, in that it is a deception. Um, and, and a trust by deception is no trust at all. So we're going to get started in that. Um, just to give a little simple outline uh, of, of how trust is supposed to work, okay, You've got a grantor who is the owner of an asset, very simply. Uh, that grantor wants to entrust that to somebody else, the trustee, for the benefit and, or to take care of and be a good steward over it, uh, to grow it, and then to pass it on to the beneficiary. So there's your grantor slash settler, uh, and trustee is your second party, and your beneficiary is the third party. Usually, you're not going to entrust something that you value to someone you do not trust. Well, I'm going to contend that uh, there's no reason to trust the government, as the old Pink Floyd, uh, Pink Floyd song uh, <laughs> asks the question of, Mother, should I trust the government? And I would say, no. And that's a big no. And there's reasons for that. 
So I believe Yahweh has general jurisdiction, the earth, and the earth and is Elohim's and the fullness thereof. That is ownership. We are stewards, every one of us, supposed to be. We're all going to have an accounting, okay, of the things that we've been entrusted with, what we did with our lives, you know, our own actions. Well, that's a trustee's job, right, is to be trustworthy and to protect and to grow the assets entrusted to them for the beneficiaries. Well, I would say the beneficiaries are always going to be yours and mine, our heirs, our beneficiaries, who we choose, okay, to succeed us. And if you've heard the term birthright, okay, and it was, it was passed down, father to son, father to son, father to son. Uh, and, and again, uh, that's throughout the Bible, but you can pass it on to your daughter. It, it, it's not about who the beneficiaries are. Uh, it's about training up that next generation of beneficiaries to be good stewards. Okay? So in doing that, okay, you're, you're, you're trying to ensure that, that your estate is going to go on. Okay? And again, we're never the owner. <laughs> we go from being trustee to ben- or from beneficiary to trustee, okay? And then we move on, pass it on to somebody else. The next generation who used to be beneficiaries and uh, are now hopefully trained to manage the family business, so to say, okay? And it was trust. It was built on trust, and it was surrounded about, you know, family as a trust unit. Real simple, easy to understand, okay? Parents are the trustees, children are the beneficiaries, and again, a threefold cord from the Bible would be a regular marriage, right? So you're talking a man and a woman and God. A threefold cord is not easily broken. Okay? That's your trust. That's the trust right there. Now, let's go to the public side. On the public side, government becomes God. Okay? And you see it all over the place. You see it in the court, right? Government man wants to make the rules up for everybody else, their neighbors, wants to be the grantor, because that's what the, all another thing that the grantor does. The grantor says, this is my property, this is how I want it managed, and for these people's, you know, for, for this person's benefit, or this man, or this woman, or this child's benefit, okay? And it's a set of instructions. It's, it's a constitution. It's an indenture, okay? Now, these are not difficult concepts to understand. When you go to the public side, okay, Congress makes up the rules, right? A few elite people because they're higher than everybody else. Uh, they've, they've made themselves, made themselves God over others by claiming to be able to have the ability to make rules over something. Well, in order to make rules over something, first you have to own it. Hmm. You have to own it. Okay? God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Right? The earth and the fullness thereof. So, again, 
where does man get any ownership? We, have, we don't have any ownership. We're here for a speck of time. We're supposed to take care of and be good stewards over what, we're, what is entrusted to us, our children, our things, okay? And we hold legal title, and we are the administrators, okay? The trustee is the administrator of the estate, the manager. We're managing God's estate. Well, government, as God, set up a trust, very, uh, and again, this is not just here, it's everywhere. It's all governments, okay? There's a trust, supposed trust, right? That, that uh, the consent of the governed and all those fun terms that we grew up, you know, that we've grown up hearing. And it was done without any uh, input by you or your parents, or their parents, for that matter, okay? Uh, these trusts were created in order to gain control over all of us and our stuff. And it was built on greed and deception. Right now, we're looking at this pandemic or scamdemic as being one of the largest asset thefts on the planet, and this isn't just here, it's around the world. You get all these things that were entrusted to the public, properties, and they never take their name off the deed, right? They never claim that, that they don't own it or they're not entrusted with it, right? They expect you to pay taxes regardless, and then you got the banks that have all these securities, these ridiculous debts that are piling up right now. You're looking at, uh, you know, for a moratorium for a very short time coming on evictions. But millions of people have been paying their, their mortgages in 10 months. They're going to be evicted. Okay? It's a, it's a land grab. It's an asset grab. That's, that's, that's your public trustees. These are the people you're supposed to trust. Okay? You go and you go into the courtroom, you have a judge or somebody claiming to be a judge. James 4.12, there's one lawgiver and one judge. Who are you to judge your neighbor? That's the rules of the, the, the trust that I belong to, okay? The public trust is these people become God, able to make laws and, 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 and judge individual men and women. Where did they get that? right to do so. If we are supposed to have one God and one judge, one master who's going to make an account, okay, over all for each and every one of us will have to will be called into account. Okay, and I say called into account because it's a it's a trust term. Okay? We're gonna have to account for the things that we've done. We're gonna have to account for the things that were entrusted to us, ourselves, our children. And we'll have to make a full accounting. Well, we, nobody ever asked the public, to make, you know, these trustees to make a full accounting. But, again, I want to make the contrast instead of getting going down that direction. And, again, bear with me tonight because I did not make any notes and I'm not using any of my previous uh, <laughs> notes. Um, the contrast between what, a, what an actual trust should be, you pick the trustee, let's say it's your property, okay, you, your car. You're entrusting that to the DMV, the state, 
okay? And they're telling you, you have to do this. Not because you want to, you have to do this, okay? If you don't, we're going to fine you, come get you, lock you in a cage if you do not do these things, okay? They're supposed to be your trustees. If you're the owner and you entrust it to them for the beneficiary's benefit, who's the beneficiary? Well, you make yourself the beneficiary instead of the actual owner by entrusting it to them in the first place, okay? You hold legal and equitable title as the owner. You didn't have to put it in trust with them. It was entrusted to you in the first place. There's a theft by deception. You're told that you have to do this. You have to register your property. You have to register your vehicle. You have to register your children. You have to register your firearms. You have to register your relationships. So, again, going back to the threefold cord, well, when you go and you get married by a judge, right, again, taking the place of you get a replacement for God, man, who's standing there acting as if they are God, government. And they put on their little government hat, and then they all of a sudden have uh, special gifts of God, uh, or, or I should say rights that are only uh, available to God, and that they can judge you and make up rules for you. Okay? Oh, you're going to get married, and if you look up marriage in, in the law and the statutes, I don't say law because it's not law, in the statutes, it says it is a contract, not between a man and a woman, but a husband and a wife. It is an institution that is created between the husband and the wife and the state. It's a threefold cord. Except there's a replacement for God, and it's government acting as if they're God. Another deceptive trust. And it's funny, if you really look at the statutes, it says that you can make up your own contract. You don't have to do this. And it literally says it that, that plain and simple. Um, and I believe that was on uh, oh, one of the EDU sites there for one of the law schools. But, uh, and that was their definition, you know, one of the definitions in there. Or uh, I'm sorry, one of the uh, the lines of code <laughs> that were in there that uh, that you don't have to ask for a license. It did, however, say that uh, most churches or most religious um, institutions must require a license, and that the state, in order for the state to recognize them. Now, again, do you need the government's permission to have a relationship? They're the, the blessing of government. They're going to bestow rights on you, each of you. But those rights are, are, are privileges. They're not real rights. And, and, and again, it's so that they can control your relationships. They can control your children. If you have a license, part of the rules you have to follow is you've got to register your children. 
any assets that you have created within that partnership institution statutory corporate fiction that they are authored, that they authored, okay, and created a trust with themselves and then said that you have to, by force, do these things, okay? God doesn't expect us to, to, to uh, be in, in, in trust with him, okay? We can do our own thing. We sure can. That's called free will. So even in, in, in God's trust, you can, you can volunteer to be a part of it or not. But the nice thing is, is it's, it's uh, you know, you can't serve two masters, so you've you, you got to serve one or the other. Uh, you can't serve both, and there is a way to separate those things, uh, the public and the private. But, again, going on to uh, within the public trust, okay, they, they ask you for permissions. Uh, permission to go get food, hunting, fishing. Uh, permission to make a living, okay, business licenses, charters. They, the government... Anybody who is not a church or some, you know, 501c3 tax-exempt organization, okay, is still a charter from government and therefore under and subject to government, its creator. It's God. That's your deception, okay, the contrast. I'd like to see somebody who... The adversary tempted and said, oh, you can have the whole world, all these things that you see as far as you can see. I'll give it all to you. All you have to do is bow down and worship me. Okay? And they still, and man creates, you know, God in its own image. Well, I find that private trusts... Again, and a, a private trust is just that. It's private. It's between the parties. There is no third-party interloper, okay? In the public, there's always a third-party interloper. There's always that not-so-silent partner, especially if you didn't cut him in for his share, they will come and put you in a cage, okay? And again, when you have a trust that is not a true trust, if it was created in fraud or deceit, that trust is no trust. Trust is this simple. I either trust you or I do not trust you. And if I say I trust you, then we can have a relationship if you trust me. If I say I do not trust you, game over. The things that you were, that you were entrusted with become mine, 100%, I own them, I decide what to do with them. I make up the law over those things that are entrusted to me, okay? When you are the beneficiary and the trust collapses, the trustee is required to make a full account. Take a full accounting of what they were entrusted to and this bends that to the beneficiary along with legal title. They have no more hold over it. It becomes, uh, you can call it a lodial title, okay? 
it's no longer split title. It's now vested in one party. The beneficiary becomes true owner. Okay? When you're in trust in the public, uh, what choice do you have? Uh, you know, there's a lot of us that have issues with banking and not using the social, the, the, you know, all these little things that if you get out of that system, they make it very hard for you. And again, it's a way of managing your own affairs. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not, this, you know, supposed to shirk our, our duties, our, our fiduciary and, and, and responsible, you know, our, our, our responsibilities to our beneficiaries onto somebody else to do it for us. We're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to be, I mean, again, you can do it. You can, you can bury your talents and, and not do much with them. And, you know, to, to those that have a little, a little is expected. To those who have a lot, a lot is expected. That's part of ownership and responsibility. Um, and, again, you're a legal owner, but the owner of it all is the grantor. And, unfortunately, on the public side, the government, the government that was created to serve the people has become its master. It's upside down. It's not trust. It's antitrust, if anything. If anything, it's antitrust. Because there's no trusting relationship there. There's no accountability there. Why do you think that they have created a limited liability corporation to enclose the trust, right? They merge law and equity in their courts they had to give you know their 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 statutes their scribbles uh some sort of validity and 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 there is none there is none if it's created in fraud it's fraud from the beginning which means that it was it was never real to begin with it wasn't real to begin with and and I implore you guys to, to, to really go out and, and, and look at all the different trusts that you have created with the public, right? You entrust your kids to their tutelage in their learning indoctrination centers, schools, right? There isn't a school that's, you know, I mean, if, if you want to start a school, they want it to be accredited by the state, <laughs> Okay, because you're not valid and your thoughts don't matter and what you'd like to teach don't matter unless the state is allowed to control the, the, the transfer of information between people, between their subjects. They don't want truth. They want us to believe that, uh, and, and it's anybody that's a, a, a man, okay, uh, you turn 18, right, and you are taught your entire life that at 18 you've got to do something, okay? Now, 18 is usually the age of majority or the age of consent, okay? The age of becoming an adult, okay? Being able to come into your own estate. And they tell every boy in school from get-go that when you turn 18, you've got to join selective service, which makes, which makes you property of the United States military. I didn't do it, by the way. But regardless, they say it's against the law. Well, I guess it's the one that's, you know, 
like, don't cut the tag off of the pillow because nobody ever came and, you know, threw me in a cage because I didn't sign up for selective service. <laughs> I did almost become a, uh, get into the Navy, but I wised up to that as well. But anyway, <laughs> so again, these are little contracts. We're told that when we're 12 or 13, that we have to sign up for working papers, permission to work as a child. You got to get permission to work. That's again another contract with the state. When you were born, your parents were told they have to have a they have to register the birth. Hey, another contract. There's tons of them. The, the Social Security Trust Act created a retirement trust that they've looted. <laughs> okay, you don't believe me? Look at their annual financial reports. It's been bankrupt. <laughs> so where did all the assets go? Why are there just debt notes, IOUs, sitting where the assets are supposed to be? If I have a certificate of beneficial interest in a trust, the trust assets that were entrusted to the the trustee by the by the grantor, the, the hard asset, the actual thing with inherent value, your vehicle, your house, your children, your, you know, whatever. All of those things have value, right? Right now you have possession, but they can come and take your house. They do it all the time. I had a client uh, two years ago lost his house for what's his family house while in probate because over $400 original debt for taxes. And, and, and his sister, who was living and owned the house, was bedridden, double amputee. She didn't even get her own mail. Couldn't make it to the man. I mean, she was in bed, bedridden, for four years before she died. She never saw a bill. They came and took the house for what started for $400. There was no debt owed on this house, and it was in probate when they came after it. The county administrator <laughs> literally tried to have him uh, removed as executor of the estate <laughs> and just so that they can take that property along with the neighbor's property that they're stealing in Suffolk County, New York, in order to put in a new jail. <laughs> You know, they don't follow their own rules, right? They don't follow their own rules. They will use uh, eminent domain to move you out of what's yours, take away what's yours. They, the things that we put into trust disappear. They live in nice houses, okay? All the gold and silver that their debt notes used to uh, represent is gone. All the hard assets they have squandered as trustees. Well, I shouldn't say squandered. They stole them straight up, okay, because it was all done through deception anyway. I ask people, would you allow any of these people to watch your children while you're not there? But we entrust our kids to the school, which is a trust, okay? 
12 years or longer. <laughs> They're taught how to be workers, how to be users, drivers. <laughs> All these titles that they're taking in these, in these offices that they're filling are offices of trust. Trust. And, again, nobody calls them into account. And as the beneficiary, you have an equitable remedy in calling them into account, and you have every right to say, I don't trust you to manage my affairs. I'll be doing that myself. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Stop letting them manage your stuff. Stop letting them manage and micromanage your life. If you are the steward, if you are the trustee, you're the administrator, you are the one who manages the assets. You are the one that has subject matter jurisdiction over the res or the asset that is in question, whether that be yourself or that be your stuff, your children, okay, your property, your tools, whatever it is. That's the subject matter that's always in discussion when you go into their court. So if, they have, if they're claiming to have authority over you, you are in trust. They're the trustee, and you're the, you're the one with the permission to use whatever was entrusted. That's why you got their permission in the first place, because the, you had to ask the owner, the legal title holder, the trustee, if you can use it. Well, if you're the trustee, then you don't need anybody else's permission. It was entrusted to you. Your children were entrusted to you. Why would you go and ask a politician to manage your child and your child's life and your own life and your stuff? People that are just doing their job, okay? They don't even know their job because none of them have been taught how to be a good steward, a good trustee. It isn't a pure system if it's built on deception. If you're, you know, if it, if it was legitimate, then I could walk in at any time and say, "Hey, I, I want a full accounting," and you can, okay, you can. But nobody's taught this stuff in school in their indoctrination centers. We're all supposed to go rah rah rah, wave our flags, and put these clowns on an altar. It's disgusting. And people don't realize that you're voting to have somebody else represent you and manage your affairs. The taxes are the fees for the trustees' management duties. There's no reason to let them manage your stuff. And you can and you should collapse them. The easiest way. People go, oh, you got to, you know, the government is this, the government is that. Nobody has to overthrow a government because it's just as easy to walk out of Babylon. It's a lot easier to walk out of Babylon. You take your stuff back from Babylon and you put it back into the trust with your creator, which you're a trustee of. You're the trustee. You're the steward. You're the administrator. You're the judge over you and your stuff. 
When you go into the courtroom, it's an administrative tribunal. The judge is acting as an administrator, as God or, or as administrator over the thing that was in, that is the subject matter, whether that be you or your car. Right? You had no plates on your car. You didn't pay Caesar or your tags were expired or your license was expired or whatever. Okay? Those are all rules of the trust that you didn't that you failed to follow. So you get fined. Okay? That's an increase to the trust. It should be an increase to the trust. But it doesn't get there because the judge takes his share, the prosecutor takes his share, the cop takes their share. And these are your trustees. They're profiting. They are profiting from the assets of the trust, which is a breach of trust. It's a breach of trust, which is a cause in trust law to collapse. The trust breaks down. You robbed me. I no longer trust you to manage my stuff. You think, uh, you know, why? what logic is there in that? Okay. You're allowed to rob me, and I'm, you're going to stay my trustee, and I have to trust you by force or by threat of force. There's no legitimacy in that. Now, if I wanted to hand you $10,000 in gold and say, hey, listen, can you hold on to this for me? I don't mind if you, you, know, if you use a little and grow it and, you know, whatever. I'll come back in a couple years and get it from you. I can do that. But I sure wouldn't do that with a politician or a cop or somebody claiming to be my judge or someone claiming to represent me that can't prove that they represent me. Okay? And when questioned whether or not I've signed a power of attorney over to these supposed representatives, they can't prove that they are my representatives, yet they're making up rules in my name, supposedly. That at least is the line of thinking that we're all taught. <laughs> it's, it's an illusion, fraud. There is no legitimacy in it. And again, um, I'm not going to talk too long, but I, you know, I, I'm going I'm to wrap it up here in a minute. But this is why what I do, and I and I made I set up corporations and statutory companies and trusts for years and years. And I decided that I'm no longer going to do that, that I am going to do what I can to help people separate themselves, divorce, or uh, separate themselves and or their stuff from the public into the private, where they manage it. And, I, and it's not just doing the, the act of doing those things, but teaching them to be good stewards over that and how to defend that trust, okay, your private trust, how to defend when you have interlopers and meddlers from the public who aren't used to seeing a slave that is now free. And that's kind of what I decided a while back that I was going to do for a short period of time. And, uh, why I do my Sunday podcast, which is why uh, I'm happy to, you know, come on calls like this, because people need to know that, that, that there's a better way. There's no reason to live this way in a trust that's no trust at all, where you have 
you know, people who have their own interests, they're usually greed-driven, okay? And, you know, it's deceptive. Why not know what your stuff is? It's very simple, okay? Yes, that's my, that's my car. That's my house. That's my property. Those are my children. I own. I have legal title. I'm entrusted with those things. I'm the administrator. It's a change of who you are, okay, and knowing who you are and knowing who you're not, okay? In the public, at best, you're a beneficiary. Your birth certificate is a certificate of beneficial interest in the trust, okay? It created an illegal person. You, you have a Social Security number that was, um, that, that was given to you, okay, or assigned to the Enligus person to retire that Enligus person at some point and create trusts along the way, just like you cannot get a driver's license or a marriage license or any other type of license without having first a birth certificate. Okay, or going through and naturalizing yourself here if you weren't from here originally. But they don't have a problem with you signing contracts. They don't care where you're from. Sure, come on in. You want to pay us taxes and call yourself a citizen? Yeah, we'll, we'll take that trust all day. Sign here and, and, and don't forget to make a list of all the stuff you own and leave it at the door. We'll be taking care of that now. The Constitution was written by wealthy landowners to protect what they had, okay? And 70 years after that, Lysander Spooner said, hey, this thing's a joke. That's 70 years after. Here we are over 200 years after. It's still a joke. It's just gotten way worse. We're led to believe our entire lives are... We, we, we exist, okay, only because government says so, okay? We live in, on this planet only because government allows us to, okay? And we're supposed to believe that these are our representatives and they have our best interests in, in mind, right? That's what they sell us on every two or four years. And, again, just the fact that they're calling us are their rep, you know, our representatives is a fraud. If unless you went and signed a power of attorney over with them, they're assuming and presuming to be your representatives that you've entrusted them with your life to make up rules for you and to tell you what you can and can't do, and then you know give you back permission to use what's already yours. <laughs> it's not a good way to live. It's not a fun way to live. And which is why we've got so many people looking for the truth in, in this situation. And the truth is, is you can manage your own affairs. Yes, it may take some study. It may take, you know, uh, a, a little bit more understanding as to what trust is. But it's a real simple principle. Real simple principle. And it is the main principle in any relationship that we have. Who's to say that we have to have a relationship with government? If I wouldn't trust them with my children, I don't trust them with my stuff. Okay? I worked for Donald Trump back in the 80s as a union carpenter. 
Okay. He robbed us, 90%. We got 10 cents on the dollar for our union contracts because he bankrupted. That was building Trump Towers. I was a, a finished carpenter. I did bars and flooring, and we did custom cabinets for Trump. And then he screwed us on our contracts. We got 10, 10 cents on the dollar. I wasn't the first. It happened many times and then many times since. Okay? <laughs> and... and you know, we're supposed to trust these people, right? But if they're operating in bankruptcy, and there's another little thing, when a trust goes broke, bankrupt, defunct, defaulted, uh, belly up, okay, there's, there's no trust because there's no subject matter, no assets left in the trust. It's defunct. It's done. Well, why is it still operating under bankruptcy? the same way that it has since, what, 1913, 1933, whatever. They're operating in bankruptcy. There's only discharge and offset because there is no real money anymore. Okay? And here's another trust. You're supposed to believe that, you know, those dollars in your pocket and the change jingling around is money. It's not. It's fiat. It's by decree. It's faith. It's trust. And you trust that the government someday will pay that IOU back because that's what the Federal Reserve note is, is a promissory note. But that's an empty promise from somebody who's not trustworthy, and that somebody is called government. It's den of thieves. Den of thieves, that's all it is. It's a, it's a misrepresentation, a deceptive uh, means of allowing uh, individuals to be able to play God over the rest of the planet. And it's not just here in the, in the United States. It's in every other country. Anywhere that there's a, uh, you know, somebody claiming divine right to rule others is a, is a deceptive and, a, and an absolute antitrust. But you can live in, in private trust and have control over the things that are yours and entrusted to you. Uh, if you want to know more about that, you can go to my website, um, bulletproofsolutions.org, and uh, I'd be happy to tell, talk with you more about it. And there's a lot of information on there uh, about trust and, and, and going private and coming out of Babylon, separating you as a man or a woman from government, the public trust, um, and then managing your affairs privately and being able to defend your right to do so when an interloper comes and tries to meddle into your business. In the private, it's not the public's business. Uh, you know, just simple jurisdiction, right? A public officer has no jurisdiction on private property, supposedly, <laughs> unless they are witnessing a, a crime being committed in their presence. So, again, they wouldn't be able to come into your house without being invited, and that is what is private. You don't ever have to invite them into your house, into your relationships. You never have to allow them to manage any of your assets. And if you've been conned into doing it in the first place, there is a way to collapse that trust. Call your trustee into account or into a full accounting. 
okay, to account for what they've done as a trustee on your behalf because they were supposed to represent you and have your interests in their actions, not their own. Anyway, I'm going to open it up, uh, Daniel, well, unless you have something yeah. to add. <laughs> I do. I do. Uh, it, it, I do. I very much do appreciate that, Dave. Um, I wanted to add something for some of the people that may not have heard this, and for those of us that have heard this. Can you hear me just fine, by the way? Yes. Okay. This is from 63C, American Jurisprudence Second uh, 2D, MJUR 2D. It's under Section 247. It's called Public Officers and Employees. And some of us have heard this before, but it's a good recap. It goes right along with what you're saying, Dave. And here's what it says. As expressed otherwise, I'm, I'm assuming that they may be talking about in other places, in, in law facts, in cases, and in uh, maybe the organic documents. So it says, quote, as expressed otherwise, the powers delegated to a public officer are held in trust for the people and are to be exercised in behalf of the government or of all citizens who may need the intervention of the officer. Then it's got five points, and it goes like this. Number one, furthermore, the view has been expressed that all public officers within whatever branch and whatever level of government and whatever be their private vocations, are trustees of the people. How many public officers did they say? All. All public officers, whatever branch, I just want to repeat that for emphasis, within whatever branch and whatever level of government and whatever be their private vocations, are trustees of the people and accordingly labor under every disability and prohibition imposed by law upon trustees relative to the making of personal financial gain from a discharge of their trusts. We might want to talk about cage accounts maybe later on on point of number one, but, but, but I digress. Number two, that is, a public officer occupies a fiduciary relationship to the political entity on whose behalf he or she serves. Number three, and owes a fiduciary duty to the public. Number four, it has been said that the fiduciary responsibilities of a public officer cannot be less than those of a private individual. And you might want to consider Screws versus U.S., where the Supreme Court said that they're actually held to a higher standard. They can't say ignorance of the law is no excuse if they're holding a public officer. That's Screws versus U.S. And I'm actually, that's in my interjection, not on the, uh, uh, not within MJUR. Number five, furthermore, it has been stated that any enterprise undertaken by the public official who tends to weaken public confidence and undermine the sense of security for individual rights is against public policy. Fraud, in its elementary common law sense of deceit, and this is one of the meanings that fraud bears. That's 483 U.S. 372. In the statute, this is C. United States versus Dial, 757 F2D 163 168 from the Seventh Circuit in 1985. It includes the deliberate concealment of material information in a setting of fiduciary obligation. A public official is a fiduciary towards the public, including in the case of a judge, the litigants who appear before him, and if he deliberately conceals material information from them, is guilty of fraud. McNally versus United States, 483 U.S. 350. Can I comment before you go on with that? that? That's actually the end of it, and I just thought I would do that as a lead-in. I'm sure you've got something to say. 
like your last podcast last Sunday night on fraud, and this actually confirms everything you said today about everything being held in trust. This is what it uh, is clear under 63C MJUR 2D Public Officers and Employees Section 247. It's all you, Dave. Thanks. The the judge again when when they dismiss a case, and we did talk about this on Sunday. They're dismissing, or, or last Thursday, I don't know, my days have been running together. But um, if they dismiss a case and do not discharge the charges, okay, basically they're leaving the account open and dismissed, okay? It's like forgiven, okay? But if you discharge it, you say, no, 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 no. I want to hold accountable the trustee who brought this, this claim in the first place, and I want it discharged against their bond, okay? The cop who made the, the original claim, the prosecutor who brought the claim, and the judge who acted in, in uh, again, defiance of his fiduciary duty to the trustee, to the beneficiary, which is you as a man or a woman holding that certificate of beneficial interest birth certificate. Okay, you have at best a beneficial interest in the public trust. You are not a trustee there. Okay, unless you took an oath. <laughs> Maybe you did. Maybe you did. And if you did, you were most likely deceived into taking it. But that judge, okay, is also a trustee. All three of those positions are trustees. And if you want that discharge to their bonds, okay, enough people do that. And the bond goes away. If they're not bondable, they can't hold the office. They can't. But you're always, uh, in trust law, the beneficiary can always demand a full accounting of the trustees that are in, entrusted with their stuff. It's the beneficiary stuff. Because once it collapses, it gets title is brought back into a single title from the split title, and that is your allodial title. That is your true ownership of the asset. Okay? No more fees, no more taxes, no more fines for breaking their rules because you're not under them. If you look at the, all of their statutes, all of them, every single one, it will tell you who is subject to them. Read it, unless you find your name in there, which I find that highly doubt, doubtful that you ever will, okay? They're acting on false pretenses. Just the fact that they claim that they have authority over you and your stuff. You question the subject matter jurisdiction. I'm the authority. I'm the trustee over this. God entrusted it to me, my children, my stuff, my life, Okay? Uh, you are claiming to be a trustee over those things. Well, unless you can provide evidence of your authority over me and my stuff, okay, then you're an executor de santort or a trustee de santort, okay? And you may want to look up that term, de santort, a trustee de santort, okay, is a fraudulent trustee, Well, I know I have no contracts, personally, 
quit the government for any of my things, including myself. So when they claim these things, why, why make claims? I question the authority that they are claiming. That's subject matter jurisdiction over me and myself. And once subject matter jurisdiction is questioned, they have got to show evidence, proof of their authority over you and your things. The contract between you and the DMV for your registered vehicle, okay? Now, again, the only difference between somebody who has one of those things and myself is an extra step in saying, I still no longer trust you to manage my affairs, okay? Calling them into an account. Me, I did never, never established a contract with them. But many people do. Most people do. They're all over the place. Okay? You could see all the people who are in trust with the government. Every day, you pass them on the road all day long. <laughs> Every mailbox you go by, most of those people are in trust with the government. That stuff is entrusted to the government. And they never go and, and, and call these trustees into account. Never call them on their fraud. And the fraud is they claim to have authority in the first place, but they'll never, ever, ever show you or a courtroom full of people that evidence because it doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. And if it, and if it does, I'll give you a perfect example. The, the director of the Department of Motor Vehicles here in Montana went so far as to sign and seal an affidavit stating that I had a Montana, a Montana license, okay, and that it was suspended. Well, not a smart thing to do because I demanded that they would come to the court with the application with my wedding signature and show me the actual copy of the actual license with my picture on it and my signature on it. Because I, I'm not even, I don't even qualify for a Montana license. I've never established a residency in Montana. That's one of the requirements. I don't use the birth certificate to uh, enter into contracts or ask for permission for anything. If I see something, if I see a deer walking out and I'm hungry, I'm going to go and get my dinner. I'm not asking for permission. I don't have to. I got it already. God said, chill and eat. <laughs> I don't need to ask for government's permission. Anytime you're asking for government's permission, you're making them God over you. And I'll leave it with that. <laughs> Daniel, well, I'll tell, <laughs> tell you, did you feel like you've exhausted the subject matter of jurisdiction that you, we talked about earlier today, Dave? Do you feel like you've, you've really... Gave it your all there, so... No, I can, I can expound on that if you'd like. Well, we talked about this was your last hurrah for this. Um, we're, we, uh, we do these special calls every now and then with the House of Prayer here. And by the way, I think this would be a good time for me to let people know that I'm going to announce my email address. And if, if, I'm, if you're not receiving emails from me, I put you on the email address so that when we do more calls with Dave and with others, and I do have some others, some of you are on this call tonight I have a lot of respect for that may have an opportunity to, to be on these calls that we do them every now and then. 
And so uh, if you want to be on the list to know what we're going to announce some calls with some special people, I will give you my email address now. It's W-Y-N-A-N-V-O-Y-L at yahoo.com. If you're not on my email address, send me an email and say, please put me on your address, on, on, on your list, rather. Um, so they just uh, try to exhaust that and then open it up for questions and comments because we got a, a pretty good crowd here tonight that there may be some other issues that people might want to raise. And, uh, sure. Just, just exhaust that subject matter jurisdiction because we're, we're, it's going to be a few days before you have, have you back and people need to get their fill because you never know. Some of them might go in front of a judgey wudgy uh, between now and the next time you come back, and you need to give them a clear understanding, if you could, about how they can ever establish subject matter jurisdiction over you. Please. Sure. Absolutely. Um, again, subject matter jurisdiction is an element in any case that's brought into a courtroom, any and every case. It doesn't matter. Criminal, uh, civil, it all requires subject matter jurisdiction for that court. Jurisdiction is authority to hear whatever the matter is before it, okay, over the subject, okay? We'll call it uh, your car. We'll use that simple, okay? And everybody's been to traffic court most likely. So um, when you register your vehicle, you're giving subject matter jurisdiction to a trustee, okay? The public trust, the public trustees, all of them, okay? Just like what Daniel had just said, okay? You are entering into a contractual relationship in which you are granting them the right to manage your property, okay, and subject matter jurisdiction, okay? The right to manage your property is your financial, okay? They have a fiduciary responsibility in their management, okay? And then they have legal title, which means they can make up the rules for the you didn't do it when you signed up to give it to them, and you should have if you were going to enter into a trust relationship. As the grantor, you're supposed to make the rules for the trustee. Now, they get around that by you uh, saying that, that you hired and, and voted for representatives to do that on your behalf. Okay? So it's the trustees giving the permission, and, and it's, you know, on your behalf, and they're making up those rules on your behalf, as if it was you, the grantor. Okay? So they're, they're sitting in two seats. They're actually sitting in three seats, all three, which is another reason why it's not a legitimate trust. Okay? Because they're acting as a beneficiary, because they're benefiting from the trust itself. They're acting as trustee. They're making up the rules, uh, or, or they're, they're, uh, they're not making up the rules there as a the trustee. They're making up um, excuse me, they're enforcing the rules as the trustee. Um, and then as the grantor, instead of you being the grantor and making the rules, they act as if they're the grantor acting on your behalf as your representative. Okay? So they make up the rules. They become the, you know, they make up the rules. They enforce the rules. They make them up and on as if they are you, right? They're your representatives. They're your agents. And they made them up on your behalf. And then they, instead of, uh, you know, when it comes time to a fine or a fee, okay, they're trying to join you to a trust office 
and give you a fiduciary responsibility to hold themselves harmless. Meanwhile, when you enter your property into that trust, you are giving them subject matter jurisdiction over that asset, okay? Subject matter jurisdiction uh, belongs to, it's an authority that belongs to the legal title holder of a thing. And that thing may be you, that thing may be your stuff, okay? So at that point, you do that, you give them subject matter jurisdiction over you and your stuff. In the private, okay, you are the trustee. Everything that you have has been entrusted to you by your creator, your kids, your stuff, everything, okay? You're the administrator. The trustee is the administrator, the manager, the final say as the interpreter of the grantor's will, okay? The, the trustee has subject matter jurisdiction, legal title, okay? And in the private, it's you. In the public, it's a bunch of criminals, okay? So when, when I go in to challenge subject matter jurisdiction, that's exactly what I'm doing. I'm asking, who made you, who gave you title to my stuff? Who gave you authority over my stuff? Who gave you subject jurisdiction over my stuff? Because I have that. And you must be acting as a tortious or fraudulent trustee, acting as if you are trustee over my stuff, which is a fraud in their rules, okay? And a successful challenge to subject matter jurisdiction is that. It's questioning, where did they get the authority? Where did they get the right to manage my affairs for me? Now, if they do have the right, if I did sign a contract, I may want to go in there and, and call them into account for mismanaging my property. And that's the equitable remedy when you're talking about trust law, okay? You have a right as the beneficiary to call those trustees into account and call them into full accounting and have them, you know, literally do a forensic accounting of everything that's been in that trust that's tied to your inlegus person, your social you know, the, the social and, your, and the birth certificate. All these different trusts are there. And what Daniel had said, okay, uh, that's, that's evidence that there is within their rules, okay, that was specific, that they are all trustees and they are supposed to be good stewards. Well, the fact that there's a multi-trillion dollar debt, I would say that they're, uh, you know, and that the trust is bankrupt, on all fronts, that's a mismanagement of your assets. Why would you continue to allow somebody who's stealing and mismanaging your assets to manage them continually? Why not take that responsibility for yourself? Why don't you take subject matter jurisdiction back and manage your own affairs? So I'm, I, I hope that explains subject matter jurisdiction, who has it and why, Okay, if, you, if you, the trustee has subject matter jurisdiction, the, sub, the administrator is the trustee, and they are the ones with subject matter jurisdiction. Okay, so when you're sitting in front of the judge, they are acting as if they are the trustee over that estate. They're administrating the estate, your estate, the fraudulent one that they created and used to 
bilk you out of your stuff because they're not trustworthy. But you challenge that by claiming to be it yourself. I can prove it. I've got possession. It's mine. Show me where it's yours. Where's your title to it? Do you have the certificate of title, the certificate of beneficial interest from the previous owner? Do you have the bill of sale that proves that you're the owner? You're trying to make a claim against my stuff. And again, when you bring that up, it's a quiet title action. They have to, if they have a claim, they have to bring the evidence. It's a, so you can quiet the, 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 you can do a quiet title right there in your case, challenging their subject matter jurisdiction over you and your stuff. Anyone that has a higher claim over these things, make it now. Bring it now. Bring your evidence. Bring your evidence. Otherwise, you have, you're acting as a, a trustee de santor, tortious trustee, acting in fraud. Go ahead, Daniel. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for um, your um, exhortations here with the House of Prayer this last month. So, uh, comments, questions, uh, people in the uh, in the listening audience. Um, I may have a question or two, but I said my piece with the Amger quote there. But uh, let's see if there's anybody out there in the listening audience that wants to jump in, question, or comment. Before we do that, Daniel, I just would like to say, if you haven't had a, 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 your fill of me, you can catch me uh, Sundays, 5 p.m. Mountain Time. You can get a hold of me um, through my email or through Daniel. And uh, it's afreemaninbabylon at gmail.com uh, or through the website, Bulletproof Solutions, and we'll get you, uh, you know, the login or the call info and password. Yeah, have you fixed that link on your um, webpage so that you can listen to the, look, uh, access the past podcasts? There's a, no, I haven't. I've been working on it, but it won't allow me to, to uh, deselect one of the things. I actually spoke to Jeremy, and he's going to be taking a look. Okay. So there will, be, there will be available, if you go to Bulletproof Solutions and keep checking back, you'll be able to listen to the past podcast that Dave has on there. But you better listen to him soon because he only has a limited amount of space and he has to delete. No, 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 uh, I, no, no, I can, uh, I have, a, if you go to, um, shoot me an email, I'll send you a link to an archive on the podcast. They just don't have like the last eight weeks because of technical issues with my network. But okay, uh, so I can send if, you if we want an archive you of your podcast, we're to email you at, at a free man in Babylon at gmail.com and you'll have a link to the archives, correct? Yes, yes. I'll have an MP3 if you want a, a more recent one. Well, now that's a link to all the podcasts or just the previous week? No, no, it's a link to most of them for the past year. Sweet. All right, that's good. So now you, there you got it because I've been, I've been asked that, so that answers that question. All right, comments and questions. Were you ready for those? I am. <laughs> Say, David. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> hey, uh, I, I'm just trying to clarify because um, we, we kind of go between, uh, you know, not being in the system, not having your things, your property registered with uh, the government and all that. Um, 
So just to clarify, say you're in a court situation and you do have things registered, say your vehicle uh, and you're in there for a traffic violation, uh, then you want to be coming in as the beneficiary and holding them accountable as trustees. If you Absolutely. don't have any, okay, because at that point they have subject matter jurisdiction. Um, right, and so you're, about, you're questioning the, what they've done with it. Yeah, yeah. And, and so then if, if you aren't fully registered uh, or registered with them, then you want to challenge or question their subject matter jurisdiction and yes. claim that you're a trustee over that property more like through your trust with God. Absolutely, and thank you for splitting those two concepts. Like I said, there are most people have those contracts in place, and there is an extra step. It's calling those trustees into account. It, 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 they're your trustee. You walk in with your certificate of beneficial interest, whether it's over you or a piece of your property. So the certificate of title to your vehicle, if it's traffic court, okay, proves that you're the beneficiary. You're, you're the holder in due course of, these benefit, of the certificate of beneficial interest, okay? So that shows, that's your evidence that you are the beneficiary in that contract, which means that you can now call those trustees into account. Well, can and, I add something and, and to that? demand their fiduciary responsibility. I'd like to add something to that, Dave, because there's actually, you can dissect it one section more, and this is my comment and my two cents, and that is you've got two scenarios, one that there is no trust where you're handling all your affairs, and another one that Chad brought up if you say your um, automobile has been registered. I just want to make sure it's perfectly clear that they're not allowed to administer the trust by their own rules. There are specific right. rules and, and very specific guidelines for how that trust is administered, and, and that's what their, their state statutory scheme is. It's sort of like the track that their little, um, their, the little train set runs on. When you were a little kid, you know, Christmas time or whatever, that people had Christmas or whatever, they got the, or birthdays, they got little train sets. Those train tracks, that train didn't get to run all over the house. It only can run on the track in which that train was uh, made to run on. So the same, same scenario runs with their trust obligations to that particular statutory duty. What I mean by that is if you look up in their statutory scheme, the only point in time where your driver's license applies is when you're acting the person of the driver and fulfilling all of the particular duties of that driver. That was my point I'm tr I was trying to yes. relate to, to the group because that's a nuance between both out of the trust and in the trust. Even if you created a trust relationship, for example, if I go out and get a fishing license, so I need to show it to go bowling. Right. So, so right. the point is, if I, it, it, at the point in time, at that point in time, understanding comprehensive issues potentially where people dwell in, for example, was I acting in the person of the driver? Was I in commerce? Was there a, um, was there a bill of lading or evidence that a commercial activity occurred? Because, for example, here in Arkansas, commerce means trade, traffic, or transportation. So there has to be a commercial aspect. Was there a breach of the peace before I was stopped? All these things are relevant to the, to, the, to the scene if they do have, as you called it, subject matter jurisdiction by nature of a registration. They may not have 
um, jurisdiction by nature of their, you not acting in personam or the person to which that statute re- related. So I just wanted to sure. throw that out there for, for clarification. Yeah, and as far as that goes, too, as well, you have, um, you know, yes, there's that contract in place, um, but the in personam jurisdiction, the subject matter jurisdiction, if the contract was created in fraud and under false pretenses, the underlying goes away. If it's a trust that was created in fraud to begin with, you can, and again, you know, who gave you this authority over me? You have to question the authority to begin with. That's subject matter jurisdiction. Um, but it, again, you have to attack the contract itself, that public trust, okay, and the trustees. So you can go about it two different ways. You can, you can demand a full accounting and walk in as the beneficiary with your certificate and demand a full accounting, or you can... Uh, you know, like what what, what uh, Daniel was just saying, you know, you can go in there and, and utilize their rules. And if they have not, you know, if they failed to um, follow their own rules, and it's hard because it's so corrupt. And, and, again, you could go into one court and then across the street have, you know, a totally different uh, experience for the same charge. One lets you go, the other one says, uh-uh. you know, it'll be $2,000, please. Pay Caesar. And it's just not consistent. I don't find it consistent using the statute and code way. That's just me. But it doesn't mean that there isn't another way. Okay? There's always ways that you can challenge the um, – and what I wanted to say as far as what Daniel was saying is what they do is they put you into titles. Okay? Those titles are offices, pictures. Right, driver, uh, you are a um, a voter, or you are the registered owner. Okay, these are all office hold offices with titles and within their legal structure, their legal fiction structure. Okay, and when they give you one, and, and they're going, they're basically presuming that that's your office, right? That you were driving as a driver which under their statutes is a commercial term, yes, but it's a, it's a title. It's an office, and that means you're an employee, even though you're not getting paid, okay? But that's how they would put you into the trustee position in the public trust to get you to pay the fine. You didn't follow your indenture, right? But they're not your rules. They're not your laws, Okay? And, again, it was done in deception. So I like to expose what they do. Okay, hey, if this is a trust, right, and I wasn't made aware of that trust when, you know, I was just told, uh, you know, with a gun to my head, that I've got to come and register my property. Well, that's duress. That voids the contract from the beginning in Amnesia. So why would I, you know, in my case, I don't like doing that. I don't like going in and using their codes and statutes. I would much rather just question where they got the authority in the first place, okay? And, again, if you have the contract, you're questioning if that contract was created legitimately with full disclosure. Uh, You know, is the trust spelled out? How come I didn't know I was a beneficiary and gave up ownership of my property to you? 
And most people don't know that. Most people just think that it's just the system and that's how it goes. You just got to do it, right? When you're 16, you got to go get a license or permit, permission. You got to register your first vehicle into the public trust. Nope. Everybody going around you driving down the roads got one of those uh, name tags from the state that shows that there are state pro- that it is state property, state-owned property. Doesn't matter which state you're in. If you move from state to state, every state's got a law. Thirty days after you move there, you have to transfer ownership and establish residency, or vice versa, establish residency, and then register your vehicle as a resident in the new state, a citizen of the new estate. Okay? And you're going to register it into the estate of Tennessee or California or New York or whatever. Okay? And the trust legal title transfers behind the scenes. The new state will send the request, the notice that the that the uh, that they are the new trustee, okay, that it was registered into a new estate, and they contact the old estate to get legal title sent to them. Well, when you do it from the private, you're doing the same thing. I'm moving to a new estate. Yes, it's private. Hey, Dave, anyway. I'd like to add. I'd like to add some a uh, little bit of perspective on what Daniel had mentioned maybe just a yeah please different different uh take on it and that is this is that having that driver's license you know at at certain times in our life may may be of a help to us because at some point we may actually need it if we're acting the The commercial commercial capacity uh uh, you know with the territorial jurisdiction where it might apply correct Yes. You know, for some of us, it, 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 from yeah, time if you're to time, a commercial driver, it work, it's worth right. doing. Yeah, I mean, so if you're making a living at it, sure. If it opens right. opportunity and serves you, again, you're the beneficiary. You can choose to accept the benefit or reject the benefit. Right. And, and, and so having that driver's license may be of use to us from time to time. Therefore, uh, the, the question is, or it's not the question, it's the comment is this, is that you know, the, the prosecutor is authorized to prosecute laws that pertain to that driver's license when it, when it is attachable to the person acting in the com- commercial capacity at that time. Yes. If you're operating in that office as driver, then, of course, you've got to follow the rules. Right. Nine times out of ten, when, when one finds themselves you know, in that controversy, they're not acting in that capacity in, in that situation. They're in their own so private this is where This is where we get the uh, prosecutor on perjury of his oath because he's only authorized to pro- prosecute laws pertaining to that, which is uh, the commercial activity when acting in that capacity. Correct. And that's all I wanted to say on that. Yes. Thank you for clearing, yes, for making that clear. Absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. If you're a truck driver and it is part of your way of, of making a living, then, you know, that's, you know, that's, you're going to accept the benefit. And while you're driving that truck, you are operating as a driver, holding that office, and you have to follow the rules. If you don't, you get a fine because 
they are entrusted with the roads and those laws, uh, again, at their own creation. But it's, you know, again, if it's serving you to accept the benefit of a trust arrangement, then by all means, go get a commercial driver's license. But when you're in your private conveyance, it's private. You're not under those rules. You're not operating within that trust under your own property, your private property. And, again, I teach folks to do both things. Um, you know, again, collapsing the trust and living the way that I do, um, living the way that Daniel does, um, you know, is not an easy road. It's definitely the road less traveled, by far the road less traveled. It makes life difficult sometimes. But there are always options, and, and, and you know, again, you, you, well, we won't get into all of that, but there are other options. And, again, if you need the benefit, if you are going to utilize the benefit, you, are, you bear the burden, right, you, 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 uh, of the responsibility of that office. If you're, if you're utilizing that office as your income, then follow their rules. Um, you cannot use, uh, you know, the clean hand doctrine because you signed up for that specific purchase. You're under statute and not equity at that point. At that point, you are under statute and not equity. You're under law and not equity, okay? But in the private, you're acting in equity, okay? And the subject matter there is a totally different story than if you, you know, if you're accepting the benefit and, it's, you know, you're doing so with full understanding and full disclosure that you need this license for this job, Right, because they're requiring it, because they're chartered by the government, and you want that job, then you've got to bear the burden of the benefit that you are taking advantage of. And you can operate that way, by all means. And you can operate in the public and in the private at the same time, concurrently. Okay, uh, You take off the public hat the second you are no longer doing uh, the action that is regulated under the statute which is all commercial. But thank you very much for, for uh, making that clear distinction. Because, yeah, you don't have to always, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You can, you know, you can utilize those benefits. That's what they were supposed to be there for in the first place. I just choose, again, for me, I'm going to manage my own affairs. <laughs> I prefer not to have uh, any participation. And I used to drive tractor trailer and had a commercial license, which I gave up in 2008. Haven't had a, 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 any license of any sort. Don't ask permission anymore. But, again, while I was a commercial driver, uh, it's not that I was ignorant to these things. Okay? I, I was getting paid to do a job. And part of that job's requirements was this license. Well, if I want the job, I need that license. So, again, I bear the burden of that license. we have any other questions? Thank you. Yes, I, still I have a question. Oh, there we go. Hello. Who is this? Hi there. My name is Desiree. Hi, Desiree. My, hello there. I have a question because um, I was able to get a MCO, or Manufacturer's Certificate, certificate of Origin, for the mm -hmm. vehicle. And um, 
I did not want to have a license plate when I relocated into a new state. I did not want a license um, and had given that up prior to moving into the new state. And under threat, I had to go and get a registration um, and did not want them to have a street location, so gave a general post office uh, location. Um, When the title was sent to me, I sent it back three times, and on the third time I said, no contract for constructive fraud, and then the title stopped coming back to me. Um, That was sent to the director of the DMV. And so next year, I would like... Excuse me? In your current state? Yes, in the new one. Okay. And so next year, I would like to take off the registration plate and put on a um, private, not-for-hire type of plate in that replacement. Sure. Um, But I'm wondering if the actual registration plate should go in a window or stay somewhere visible. Oh, I I have. Hey, you want to shoot me an email and ask me about mine? I'll send you a picture of mine. I created one that looks kind of like a uh, diplomatic plate. It says, uh, okay. Kingdom of, you know, it was issued from the Kingdom of Heaven. And uh, I'm an embassy and, you know, uh, an ambassador. Okay. The, <laughs> you know, I mean, that's that's what my Bible says, right? We're ambassadors for Messiah. So, you know. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, yeah. I'm, a, I'm on a diplomatic mission, and uh, my plates say private property or private trust, I think. Uh, private trust, thank you. Yes. Um, and I use a 25-page memorandum of law on, on religious freedom as well as a judicial notice, seven pages, that uh, if I do get pulled over, I serve them notice right then and there. And that... Questions okay. there, subject matter jurisdiction, right right there. To, yes, I, to, to force it. me into contract with Caesar. It's not going to happen. Right. Okay, so no inspections um, done for the, the front window, um, no inspection stickers, no nope. registration fees, no nope. nothing. I've got, I've got two plates that I had made, or, you know, one on the front and one on the back. And uh, I had them made, and they did a fantastic job. They're metal plates, um, you know, and I put them on there, and that is, it's an identity, okay? Why yeah. do you think in, in Germany they, they, they gave everybody numbers and tattooed them on them? Well, everybody yeah. driving around with these state plates has got the same exact thing. Your catalog. Yeah. It's a catalog of the chattel of the property of the state. It's yes. like when you get in, you know, if you've ever gone to jail and they try to, you know, they book you in, they put a lien against your persona, and then they put you into a jumpsuit that says property of the state. Mm. Well, I tell them, you know, when I go there, I don't consent to book in. I, I, you know, the clothes on my back are part of who I am. And I'm not about to go and put on a, a sign that says I'm property of the government. Sorry, not happening. If you don't consent to be booked in, do they just put you in the jail cell? Uh, I, I have been put in uh, shackles and, and put into uh, 
max security, you know, basically they put you in, in, uh, in timeout until they bring you before the judge, and then they can't wait to get rid of me. Um, but, yeah, a couple times that, that, they, that I've been in there, they'll put me in uh, solitary, usually in with the murderers, and, you know, they get them all riled up and try to intimidate, and I just laugh and, you know, sleep. And when I wake up, I, uh, I expose the judge, and they want me to leave. <laughs> you know, they don't want me in Gen Pop anyway. Because I'm going I'm to set up class. They don't want to put me they in the don't. general population because I'm going to turn around and set up class. Oh. I'm going to expose. Yeah. And, and every single time that I've ever been there, they rush to get me out the next day. As soon as the judge comes in for, you know, uh, after breakfast. Oh. Okay. Uh, yes, so I'll send to uh, the email a free man in Babylon. Yes, at gmail.com. And uh, I'm happy to send you a picture of it. Um, I could probably still find out where I remember where I got to find my receipt, but I can uh, explain where where I got them. Uh, I designed it myself, and uh, I'm sure that they have the the stencil for creating more of them. Um, I think I paid $15 or $16 each for them. So they're not that expensive, and they're they're well made. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Hey, Dave. All right, so uh, I would, just to clarify the documents, I would carry the judicial notice. Yes, it's the uh, judicial notice and the 25-page memorandum of law on religious freedom to the executive, to all executive and administrative agents and agencies. So um, if you haven't gotten that, you can email me in the. I'm happy to give that to you free of charge. Uh, Daniel is also has uh, copies of that, and he can hand them out as well. I would just suggest that you uh, take my name off of it because it is the one that I use, and uh, add your own. <laughs> okay, in a fee schedule, or should I change the word fee to compensation schedule? No, I don't. I don't. Uh, I don't usually. I'm willing to forgive their lack of understanding, their lack of knowledge, as long as they take notice. Um, if they, you know, if they decide to uh, take an action, I'm still happy to go and, and, and question their, you know, the judge, the prosecutor, all their authority uh, directly to their face. I got no issues about going to get or going to court. Um, and, and again, a lot of folks are afraid of that, and I don't blame you. Um, but at the same time. Uh, no, I, I, it's it's not even an issue. It's, it really isn't. Okay, thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, that's I would use that, and you can again, you I, I can send that to you if you don't have it. Thank you so much. I think I have the judicial notice. I'm not sure about the 25 page. Okay, well, shoot me an email, and I will send it happily. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate your time. I will. You're welcome. You Thanks for your input. Do we have any other questions? I thought I heard somebody earlier. Hi, Dave. I just wanted to—I I wanted you to give us just the uh, abbreviated version of what you would what you said to the magistrate. Um, 
when you were shacked up, shacked up in the Grave Arm Hotel? Well, again, I, I question their authority over over me as a man. I'm a man. I'm not a subject. I'm, you know, I ask them, are you God over me? Are you, you know, am I your subject? Do you own me? These are questions that are trust questions. Are you a trustee? Were you entrusted with me? Do you have legal title over me that you can make up the rules over me? And these are just simple little questions. And you can frame them any which way you want as long as you're questioning whether or not, or you know, where they got their authority over you. They, they're never going to answer. I had a judge in Missoula, head judge, the, the judge in Missoula, okay? And she knew I was suing her, and there was nobody else. Everybody else was recused. All the other judges in the city were recused. So one on his own, when he asked me if I was going to be using UCC codes or admiralty or, you know, you're going to question the flags, I said, listen, I said, I have no issue in any one of those venues, but I prefer trust. And the next day I went to court, he was gone. He, he recused himself. Didn't want to deal with equity because he would have to take a fiduciary his position. I'm not, I'm not walking in there as a trustee. I'm walking in as a beneficiary. They're going to have fun. But he recused himself. So I walked in, and this judge, who's the head judge, says, hey, Dave. I said, hey, Kathleen. I said, what are you doing here? I said, I have a lawsuit against you. She said, oh, I haven't seen it. She goes, and don't start your authority stuff with me again. I said, listen, I have no doubt that you have authority over some of the people in this room, in this building, maybe even outside. I said, but who do you think you are to me? And she fell for it. She says, I'm your judge. I said, fantastic. I got a cup of coffee here. Can you turn it into wine while I watch you prove it? And she got bright red at her. She could tell she just dyed her hair red, and her face was about matched as soon as I asked her. And then she said, uh, you know, she shouldn't say anything, actually, at that point. And I, so I figured she was having a problem. I said, well, uh, you know, can you heal that guy with the cane in the front row? How about you come out here and walk on water for us? And she didn't hold me into contempt because... I wasn't being contemptuous. I was just asking questions for clarification of the evidence of her claim. So it's, uh, again, it's, it's knowing who you are, knowing who you're not, and, and dealing with them. And, and I know who I am. I know who has authority over me. I've had judges, I had 15 cops in a courtroom coming in there trying to get me to remove my hat, my baseball hat. Literally, 15 cops. You got to take it off. We're going to remove you. Judge looks over and goes, "What the hell's going on back there?" She says, "I want you to remove your hat." I says, "It's a religious covering." She had no idea what to say. She she didn't she didn't even close the court down. She got up, walked out, walked across the hall, googled religious covering, and came back and says, "Well, isn't it supposed to be a beanie?" I said, "Wow, that's really rude." <laughs> I said, "You want to recuse yourself?" But she told them to leave, all 15 cops, leave them alone. And, in a, and if you're not sure what a religious covering is, it, it, it'll, you know, it's to, to help you remember that God is over you. He's, your, he's the only authority. He's the owner. He's the grantor. You're just a trustee, and you're, you know, a servant. Well, servant, 
isn't responsible for, you know, the master, but he is res uh, responsible to, for, the, for the beneficiary. <laughs> uh, go ahead. Do we have any other questions? But did I answer your question? <laughs> How about that? Yeah, that answer's good. That okay, answer's good. Good. Sorry, I'm. <laughs> everything's quiet. Like, you know, I can hear the crickets. <laughs> Any other questions? How about comments? Comments will work. It's going to hey, be a Dave. short call. <laughs> yes. Hey, Dave, can you hear me? I can. Uh, this is Rand from Arkansas. Hey, Rand, how are you? Hey, um, I have uh, been going from uh, Michigan to central Michigan to central Wisconsin and from central Wisconsin to central Wisconsin, or, uh, Michigan and been through about 12 toll roads. What are your feelings about these toll roads? Um, I will be – uh, they're telling me I need to go online – and pay for the toll roads because all the gates are uh, out of order. Yeah, nobody's working them, right? It's, a, right. it's, it's the camera and the easy pass. Well, I could tell yeah. you, six years ago I had my RV, and I was driving around the country, and I drove to, oh, let's see, I drove from Montana through Idaho and Utah and a little piece of Arizona into Vegas, then drove all the way across through Colorado and a bunch of other states and Iowa and been pulled over, oh, I don't know, three or four different times and, and had a, a, a incident where I was approached by a cop in New York. But uh, I know exactly because coming across the 90 there, or is it the 80 at that point in uh, Michigan <laughs> into Wisconsin? Uh, you said into Wisconsin, correct? Yeah, um, just in Illinois, when you're going south of the uh, 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 Lake Michigan, uh, Chicago right. area, you've got uh, six roads. or eight toll roads that you've got to go yeah. through to get to the other side. Yep. The only toll that I actually paid in my entire trip was to try and get across uh, the GW Bridge in, in Manhattan, and it literally cost me, I believe it was $88 one way because I was towing a car. But uh, wow. all the tolls, <laughs> I, I, that's one thing about going across uh, the northern states to go back out west. I hit all those types of tolls going across, and I just drove through the easy pass lane. Okay, well, never that's was, what I did. Also. Never never was stopped once, yeah. Okay, so now I'm supposed to, my responsibility, according to them, is to go online and find my, find something and go ahead and make the payment. <laughs> what they want you to sign is a contract to pay the toll. Okay. Well, do you have a license in either one of those states, and, and is there a, uh, a plate from one of those states? No. Okay, so you're using a private plate? 
No, I'm uh, from Arkansas and was going from Michigan to Illinois to Wisconsin. Gotcha. Okay. So basically you're in trust with the other states that don't require those things. So, again, uh, why would you set up a contract with the state of Michigan or any other state to pay tolls on their roads? If they, Now, it's one thing. If the gates are there and you have to stop and, and you know, they, they got the cops waiting there and saying, hey, are you going to pay your 25 cents or your dollar fifty or whatever it is, then, you know, they won't open it up. Uh, and, again, you can question it as well, but, you know, for the couple dollars, it's probably not worth it doing on the side of the street, um, you know, or in traffic. But while those things are in easy pass lanes, even if, even now, you know, if I, uh, while I was in New York, I went back and forth over one bridge, and they have an easy pass lane. They have a bunch of tolls, but they have an easy pass lane. I just went through the easy pass lane. The light goes off, and, and but nobody chases me. They take okay. a picture and try and mail it to you. Well, there's no mailbox right. that that's uh, you know they're not going to look up my plate in their in their system. So good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, here I'm. I've also been through that easy pass lane. Um, and so they're going to, well, actually, I had a big trailer out the back of, of my, uh, my van, so I guess they won't be sending me anything. They'll be sending somebody else the, the, the uh, <laughs> photograph. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't like paying tributes to Caesar in any way, shape, or form, but, hey, you know, uh, if I go and I buy a six-pack, you know, the syntax goes to Caesar. So... You know, yep. again, I, but I pick my battles. I pick my battles. But if I've got an option, you know, get stuck behind the gate talking to some state agent that wants, you know, 50 cents to go down the road or buzz through their easy pass lane, I'm going through the easy pass lane. Okay. Got it. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Any other questions, comments? Concerns, issues that you're dealing with and need some help. No. I hear crickets like you did, Dave. Yeah, I know you were talking about ending this call early today, you know, but uh, <laughs> I don't know how long you want to keep the lines open, but it's it's pretty early still. Well, I just wanted to give everybody one last uh, hurrah with what you're doing, and I know we've got some good people on here that got ideas and, and function in their own way, a little bit different than yours, and, and they're being respectfully quiet, and it's fine. Um, no, actually, I'd love to hear <laughs> at, at least the comments. <laughs> I, know, I know for a fact there's somebody that deals with um, toll booths quite a bit different than, uh, and he, he, he likes to... Uh, to mess with the toll booths. I know he's on the call. And uh, <laughs> Anyway. You know, I, like, I like to mess with the voters, and they kicked me off of Facebook for the first time in 14 years on Selection Day, for saying Selection Day, said it was hate speech, and I got thrown off of Facebook for three days. <laughs> well, that's, that's, a, that's a, a mild price to pay. Some people have been um, permanently banned. So, oh, yeah, no, I know. 
Nope, I just think they didn't want me in, you know, they didn't want me to uh, affect any voters from or sway them from going out and doing their civic duty. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much, Dave. I guess uh, one more time, if, if no one has anything to add to our, our recording tonight, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and 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 call it a good night. And uh, if any, if anyone wants to hear this recording again, uh, the playback number is seven seven zero four one six nine. You dialed four one six zero. It'll be on here until we actually record over it. And since there will be no phone uh, uh, no call next Thursday night, you'll be able to listen to it until we have calls again. I would encourage you to join the podcast on Sunday night, and there's other good things that are going on uh, that, are, that are actually happening. Things are happening uh, on a positive way. Keep, keep your head up. Don't get discouraged. Don't be fearful. Fear not, little flock, for it's your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'd like Amen. to wish everybody a, a grand good evening and, uh, and a good night, and thank you so much for participating with us, Dave. We do, we do appreciate you. My pleasure. Thank you very much for uh, allowing it. All right. Well, that that's it, folks. Thank you, guys. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye now.